0: Welcome to episode twenty three, not twenty two and not twenty one of the So Video Games podcast, where we talk about any game at all, including new stuff, old stuff, and anything in between. If we are playing it, we will be talking about it. Today we are recording on March twelfth, two thousand seventeen. My name is Corey Motley. I am a staff writer at GameCritics.com, and I am fifty percent of this show with me as always is Brad Galloway. He is the editor at gamecritics.com. Brad, how are you doing?
1: Doing good, man. Doing good. Uh the weekend kind of got away from me, but otherwise it's uh it's all good. Cannot complain. Happy to be uh, recording with you tonight, sir.
0: Ah, oh, well thank you. The uh, feeling is mutual for sure. Um just to set uh listeners up a little bit. This is kind of a going to be a little bit of a strange night at uh, at the SVG show. Um, and that will be reflected in this episode uh, as some of you regular listeners will know uh, I have been in the middle of trying to move um, I am moving to New Orleans as a matter of fact um, in about nine to ten hours the moving company is going to be in my apartment uh, packing up all my shit which I'm gonna have to be overseeing then I'm gonna have to be you know cleaning the apartment and all that stuff and then checking out in the next day so Needless to say, I've had a lot of stuff going on over the past week, trying to move and trying to clean and trying to get stuff together in the apartment and do laundry and dishes and all that bullshit that comes along with moving. So I haven't really been playing a lot of uh, of video games. Um, However... Uh, also, uh, Brad has been tied up with a top-secret review game that is under embargo that we cannot discuss right now. I don't even know what it is. He won't even tell me, and Brad and I are, like, besties, so that means you know it's important. <laughs> um, <laughs> so uh, but we're have, um, we, so we we're not going to be doing so much huge video game topics tonight, but we are uh, going to discuss some movies toward the end of the show. We're going to discuss a couple games, and we're going to do movies toward the end. Um, as you know, usually we open with a little bit of banter. We talk about movies at the start. but Brad and I are going to go a little bit in depth in a few movies that we've been watching lately. Um, They will be slightly spoilery, that's why we're saving that discussion until the end. Um, I will put in the show notes um, when the spoilers start, in case you want to check on that whenever you're uh, listening, Um, and we will give a full-on spoiler warning later on about the films we're going to be talking about. We will be talking about the movies Logan, Lucy, and Headshot, uh, just in case anybody's listening and anybody wants to skip over those or maybe you've already seen them and you want to hear us talk about them that is what we're going to be talking about um so after all that disclaimer nonsense out of the way uh we can go ahead and jump into our usual game podcast opening banter which will not be about movies this time because we will be talking about movies later um so brad what's going on with you how have you been
1: um, it's going good, going good. Uh, pretty busy. Uh, just lots of paperwork. Tax season's coming up, which is always a big fucking drag. It's like my worst, <laughs> worst, most hated time of the year as uh, somebody who is uh, self-employed. It's really complicated. Uh, my accountant just, uh, I, you know it's funny because I've I I usually email my accountant a couple months ahead of time and make sure everything's lined up. Been using the same person for. Oh, a couple of years now. And I don't know if you've ever had to find your own accountants, but you know, it's, it's like a gamble. You don't, you don't know who's good, who's bad. I mean, unless you get a personal recommendation, that's great. But you know, if you don't have a recommendation, you know, from a friend or somebody you work with, if you just have to like pick one, oh God, it's so stressful. It's so nerve wracking. I mean, you never know the, the quality you're going to get and so much of it. You know, it's it's on your shoulders. Like if they fuck it up, like you know, you have to be accountable to the IRS. I mean, a good accountant will will be the person accountable, but you still have to go through the process of like if your your return gets audited or if they don't accept it, don't accept it. if there's errors or whatever. If the person's doing your deductions right, oh my god, it's so stressful. So I've been using the same person for a couple of years, not my favorite person, but uh, she's been doing a really good job, and she's a, you know nice, pretty normal. And I emailed her. To say, hey, are we still good to go this year? And I did not get a response. Didn't get a response. Didn't get a response. And, you know, accountants are people who are supposed to be totally on top of the ball. Detail-oriented. Very, uh, you know, should be very responsive to your questions and comments. Uh, you, you know, those, those are good qualities you look for an accountant. And this person has always been like, you know, would would always email me. Within like hours of me emailing them. And so to not hear from them was really kind of concerning. And this was a lady who was uh, not not old, old, but of an advanced age she is kind of like retired from the business who she was an accountant and she decided to keep on doing accounting in her retirement because i guess she was bored so i didn't hear back i didn't hear back i didn't hear back and i'm like oh my god like did she did she die i was like she's so <laughs> old i mean i mean it, you know she, it, it's possible you know natural causes or something she was old enough to just die i mean i don't know what her health status was i mean she looked like in good shape but you can never be too short sure. anyway long story short She did not end up dying, but she was uh, incapacitated and not able to do my taxes this year. So I'm scrambling to find a good accountant and I cannot find one. I'm just, I'm freaking the fuck out right now. So that's, that's one thing. Um, The other thing, on a more positive note, uh, you guys, frequent listeners may remember that I I got into my storage unit a couple weeks ago and I got out a bunch of stuff. One of the things that I got out was a big box of Transformers. Uh, not the primo quality collector stuff that I put aside for myself, but kind of like the stuff that I let my kids play with. And my youngest son had never seen these toys before. This was his first time getting access to the goods. And he's been playing with them uh, pretty much nonstop since then, which is really cool. And he's he's learning how to transform them. He's very careful. It's great to see that. But today was like, Dad, who is this day? Like, he wanted to know the names of all these Transformers. And like, I'm going to be straight up, like, I'm a big Transformers fan. But it's been a while since I was, like, in it. Like, you know, I, I still enjoy them. I still buy the toys once in a while. But, like, I used to be able to tell you, like, the name of each robot, what accessories it came with, what series it was from, blah, blah, blah. I used to have all that information just, like, on a moment's notice. I could just quote it verbatim, right? But I haven't been into it um, that deep for a while. And so, I still remembered how to change the toys. And I'm like, oh, yeah, this guy is so-and-so, and this guy is so-and-so. But there was a lot in that box where I'm like, damn, I just don't know what that guy's name is. I don't know which gun is his. I don't know. So like we ended up spending a lot of the day on various websites, Transformers identification websites. I don't know if you knew this was a thing, but it is a thing. If you have a Transformer that you don't know who it is, you can go to like, there's actually like multiple, there's like three or four different, really good websites where you type in like, this is a car. It is yellow. It is, you know, if you know the series it's from, you can type in the series it said, well, you know, is it a sports car? Is it a utility car? Whatever you type it in. And then like, it'll show you like all these different pictures of Transformers that fit the description. And then you just kind of look to see which one is the one that you have. And then you can click on that and you get more information. It's pretty cool. And I really appreciate that these sites are there. I cannot imagine how much work it must be to maintain one of those. But we were able to identify quite a few of the ones that he had questions about. And they even go into detail about like, if you just find like a gun, like if you don't know whose gun it is or like what it belongs to. You can just look up like, there's like all these pictures scanned in of like guns and missiles and rocket launchers and swords. And if you just, you don't know which goes to what, you can look it up, which is a really, really amazing resource. So we spent most of our day doing that and it was pretty fucking cool. I, it's it's really nice to share something like that with my son. He takes a lot of joy in it. I take a lot of joy in sharing that with him. As a parent, it's wonderful to see your child liking something that you like. I mean, and it's of course it's fine if they don't, I would have been totally fine if he didn't give a fuck about Transformers. I would have just moved on from that. But it is a treat to be able to share something like that. So that was probably the high point of my day, and I really enjoyed, like, every minute of that. We got to geek out
0: together. So that is my banter, sir. What do you What do you got to bant about this week? So, is first of all, is the Transformers site, is it, like, the IMDB of Transformers? Kind of, yeah.
1: It kind of is.
0: <laughs> For sure. You need to know
1: what a Transformer is, you look it up, man. All the, like, the bio, the tech specs, the background It'll have,
0: like, comic book links, movie links, all that stuff. Yeah, it's crazy. Uh-huh. And to double back to your um, accountancy uh, talk, I, uh, I've i heard I've never been able to fully support myself on freelance writing because I've always had, like, pretty much just, like, a 9 to 5 job. Or I guess when I was at Target, it was, like, a 3.30 a.m. to noon job. But either way. Um, but I hear that if you're a freelancer or if you're self-employed, doing taxes is, like, the worst thing ever in the entire world. Is that true?
1: It's pretty much the worst thing ever. Um, And it really depends on what line of business you're in. In my particular uh, daytime job, I don't have a lot of like equipment or deductions that are like physical things, which is kind of okay. Uh, But at the same time, like you have to really categorize like where your income comes from and then you have to like really keep track of the taxes. And you end up paying double taxes because most people have a regular job. The employer pays the employment taxes. Do you pay your own taxes? But if you're self-employed, you're paying double that because there's no employer to pick up that tab for you. And it's just, it's a fucking nightmare. You got to pay like quarterly, if not monthly and fucking, I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. So it's, you know, a good accountant is like the most precious thing in the world to me. And I'm really, really bummed that I'm kind of, uh, I'm struggling right now. So. Anyway, I guess if anybody listening to the show is is an accountant or you got a really good accountant, let me (laughs) let me know right in, man, because I need one like
0: ASAP. I I once read that accountancy is the best uh, career path to go into if you don't like people and if you don't like working with people. So maybe your accountant is just like a recluse and has decided to, like, go back into the shadows of her mansion and never talk to anyone ever again. Interesting. Why would they say that? Is it because you spend so much time crunching numbers in your office or something? Uh, I would guess so. Or maybe if you're a freelance accountant, you just have like, like once a year, you have just like small appointments with people and that's it. And then the rest of the year, you're just like doing, I don't know, like individual, like document based taxes or something. I didn't, I read it years ago and I didn't read the entire article, but I remember seeing it like the thing somewhere like, oh, accountancy is like a career to go into if you don't like people and don't like working with people. Well, you
1: know, it must be a pretty good field because my, my first accountant, he got hired by um some millionaire to be his personal accountant. And then we had another really good one that actually retired because he was so successful at being an accountant. He didn't have to work anymore. So I guess if you're really good at math and you like do that kind of stuff, I mean, this I, I, apparently must be a good field because I keep losing accountants.
0: So I, <laughs> I just can't
1: keep one because they all keep being too successful, I guess. So
0: FYI, be an accountant. <laughs> I have a couple of friends that I went to college with who went to accountancy school and at the University of Missouri, you can do they have a five year program where because usually it's four years to get your bachelor's where you just do five years and you get your master's in accounting. So it's like a nice um, kind of streamlined uh, program because usually you do four years for your bachelor's and then two years for your master's, if not more, and they condense it down into a five year program to get your master's. but unfortunately, I don't keep in contact with those too much anymore or else I would recommend them to you. But I don't think they do like freelance personal accounting anyway. I think they work for like big firms somewhere. So sorry, Brad.
1: No worries. No worries. But yeah, I'm kind of serious. If anybody listening's got a lead, let me know, man. <laughs> I'm hurting. But anyway, enough of my shit. Corey, what do, what do you got this week, man?
0: Uh, I Gosh, what do I have this week? Um, I feel like I don't really have a whole lot going on. Um, I have been, like I said before, been like trying to move and everything. And the weird thing about moving right now is that this is going to sound like, I'm going to sound like somebody who's complaining about something really stupid, but uh, there's a moving company that's coming to move everything out of the apartment, which is great. And I don't want to complain about that in any way, shape or form, because I've had to move several times on my own without moving companies. This is actually the first time I've ever moved with a moving company. But the weird thing about having a moving company is that, I don't know what all exactly they're going to take and what all they're not going to take. So I've been trying to like clean up stuff in my apartment that I think like like food and like liquids and like bathroom stuff. Like I don't think they'll take any of that stuff. And there's like a third party company that is allegedly coming in to take apart some of the big furniture in the apartment to like take it apart because it won't fit through the doorways and take it. So basically my entire day tomorrow is going to be like overseeing a third party company that is going to be taking apart the furniture and the people who are packing and all that stuff. I don't really want to talk about that a whole lot, though. The only other... Thing I have to say, this is actually video game related banter, which is illegal for the show, but I'm going to go there. um <laughs> Twice, twice a year, usually uh, Target uh, does a buy two get one free video game sale deal. um I used to work at Target, and it was always uh it's always great. Usually, they do one like right around November, you know, right kind of in fourth quarter release season. So you buy two games, you get one free, um, which is a really good deal because you save like you could potentially save like sixty dollars probably. Um, max if you do that, unless you buy three, like, really expensive special edition games. Um, uh, the week after the Switch came out, they had the buy two, get one free deal, which actually was last week, so it ended. Today was the day of the new sale, so it ended, um, which is smart, because if people are buying the Switch, then the next week they could just go in and pick up all of Nintendo's release games, because I think there were probably only three of them and get one of them for free. Haha, <laughs> zing. Um, <laughs> and, uh, but what pissed me off is, so... Like I said last week, uh, I'm still in Omaha. Patrick is in new Orleans. He bought a PlayStation pro. And so we were kind of texting the other day about like, I told him like, oh, you know, target has the bites you get one free deal. Maybe we should try to think of three games that we want to buy. And then you can buy them and have them there for you to play. And then, you know, whenever I get down there, we can play them together. Um, cause usually we do, we, we, we take the sale usually. Cause I mean, you save 60 bucks on it. So we were trying to think of three games that we wanted to play that had come out recently. And, um, Uh, Among all the games that are out right now, we came up with uh, Zelda Breath of the Wild. Patrick wanted that for Wii U because we don't have a Switch. We're not planning on buying a Switch. He was like, okay, well, I'll just get the Wii U version. And I wanted Nier Automata, and Patrick wanted uh, Horizon Zero Dawn. So those were kind of like the three games that we settled on that we were interested in. Well, upon further investigation, uh, Patrick went to a Target in New Orleans and looked for them, and I was like looking online here and seeing what they had. Um, Okay, so Target i mean usually i like target i worked there for a fucking long time and i'm pretty down with target but right now they do not carry the wii u version of zelda breath of the wild at all online or in stores in any way shape or form which is just baffling to me unless they have somehow stocked it in the past week but when i looked online the other day it was not available in store or online and i'm not i don't mean like it was sold out in stores i mean like not available period like they never carried it in how stores. is that even possible that's so bizarre I don't know. I mean, I guess maybe they bought up all the Switch versions to uh, to stock or something. But I thought it was so weird because Target carries Wii U games. They don't have a big selection. I mean, they still carry Wii games for Christ's sake. But uh, but they don't they don't carry the Wii U version of Breath of the Wild unless something has changed, uh, like I said in the past week. And the other really baffling thing is that uh, Near Automata is online only at Target. They do not carry the physical version of near automata in any target stores right now which is so fucking weird cuz usually target is like pretty on it about having new game releases every week and having like the newest games and it's not like near automata is some weird like indie game that came out that nobody's heard about i mean it's like a pretty big release you know by a giant publisher so the only game that we could get was horizon we ended up not doing the sale at all because there wasn't a chance that we could get three games but i just thought it was so weird like horizon is in store and online near is online only and wii u version of breath of the Wild, they just don't fucking carry at all i was like like target what the hell are you doing like usually they're on it and they weren't last week so they lost 120 of our dollars because we would have spent that much plus tax to get the two games and get the third one free but uh Yeah, sorry, Target. If you guys stocked your games better, which is weird because usually they do, then we would have taken you up on that sale. But unfortunately, that was a miss for us last week. Interesting. Interesting. Huh. I would not have expected that. I mean, uh, huh.
1: I really kind of wonder why that seems like such a strange turn of events. I mean, I can maybe understand why. I mean, there is a physical version of Nier, though, isn't there? I mean, it exists, right? It's not an online only game uh you know i'm pretty sure there is i feel like because no it Genix must be it must be because that, right? because gamefly offers it yeah that's right so there must be a okay, physical okay. version okay i just for a second i was like oh man is it is it download only like i couldn't recall <laughs> but no no it's not it's not so that's weird weird i mean i guess the buyers the buyers at target do not have a lot of faith in the wii u version of uh breath of the wild or near automata that's uh, uh i don't know either really astute or somebody's not paying attention i don't know which
0: yeah, I don't know. I've always been a little bit baffled by buyer behavior at Target just from the times that I worked there and uh, just seeing like, you know, what was in and out of stock and everything. But I mean, hey, the buyers are all in headquarters at Minneapolis. They get paid like a bajillion dollars a year. So little old me who was making like fifteen dollars an hour you know who who am i to say what the buyers should and shouldn't take uh, whenever i worked there but yeah it was just kind of weird like i was expecting i I, it was like a no duh to me that they would have had had near automata uh, and breath of the wild there for wii u on sale but it's just so weird that neither of them were carried yeah
1: i mean i can understand why they wouldn't carry
0: a lot of wii u games although i mean it's
1: kind of weird to say that there's a lot because i don't think there is a lot in general because you know the wii u has (laughs) been tanking for so long but i mean that's like that's a huge game, and I'm guessing there's plenty of people who would want to play Zelda who are not going to be getting a Switch anytime soon. That seems like a pretty big miss on Target's part, so...
0: Oh, well. Weird. Weird. Yeah, we'll see. And who knows, they might correct it in the future and decide to buy it and put it in stock and all that stuff. But um, but speaking of Near Automata, I know that one of us on this podcast has been playing it for the past week, and I think that person is you. Do you want to talk about him? I think that I do,
1: and I guess it's probably better that you didn't buy it, because I wish I had something
0: good to say, and I kind of don't, so... Is it not... Everybody on the internet is raving about this game, Brad. Is it not good? So, okay. I don't know, man. I mean, I, I'm i starting
1: to, like, question just reality right now, because <laughs> I've just had a really bad streak of games. I mean, I started off with Yakuza 0, which is great, and I really liked it a lot. That was good, but then, you know, I was really psyched for Horizon, something I've been looking forward to for quite some time, and I just ended up not liking it, thought it was really boring, and Nier was something I was incredibly excited for. I was so excited for Nier Automata. I mean, I loved the first Nier. I consider that one of the modern classics. I will defend that game to the death, and I could not have been happier that Automata was was announced. I mean, I never in a million years ever thought Nier would get a sequel, Uh, but yeah, I, okay. I just, I just feel like I, I'm just not, the games I'm looking forward to are just not good this year, man. I just don't know. I don't know what to do. And it's making me really nervous because I'm, I'm scared that like all the games I'm looking forward to this year are not going to be good. I mean, that's, that's probably not going to be true. I'm probably swinging a little negative on that, but let's talk about Near Automata. So we both played the demo on PS4. We both really liked it. Correct. That's correct. Okay. That demo was pretty badass. I I still like the demo that demo is actually the very first chunk of the game. So that's actually what you play when you start playing the complete game. So it starts off on a good note. Um, it's, it's really cool, very fast paced, shows you some interesting things and uh, it's it's nicely done. Uh, but I've been playing it, I'm about 15, maybe a little bit further, about 15 hours in, give or take, and I'm just about to go to the final boss of the story mode. now. A lot of people will be like, well, hang on a second. That's really short. Yeah, it is kind of short, depending on what kind of game you think it is. I mean, if it's an action game, I think 15 hours is pretty long. If it's an RPG, that's pretty short. And it really depends on how you see Automata. But Nier is a game that is basically well known for having the reputation of, of making players play it multiple times in order to get the whole story. In the first Nier, that was fine because... The core game was so interesting. There were so many interesting things that happened in it. It was so so smartly designed that it was kind of a pleasure to play through. And when you got to the end of the game the first time, the story was completely flipped on its head. Like, it was fascinating to play through it again because you got a whole other side of the experience. It really made it worth playing through at least a second time. I played through it twice. Loved it. Uh, did not play through a third and a fourth time because it just wasn't that different, so it wasn't worth it to me. But playing through two times was amazing. Uh... With Nier Automata, like, you go into it expecting you're going to have to play it two times, but I have to be perfectly honest. The things that I loved about the first Nier are not on display in Automata, like, at all. Uh, Like, not even a bit, and it's making me really question, like, what's going on, because I expect that the story will take a big twist at the end, which is just, you know, that's what the first game did, that's what people tell me, I'm expecting that to happen. But regardless of what happens at the end of the story, uh, the first time through, it's not going to erase the fact that the previous 15 hours had been pretty fucking boring. Uh, it's basically just like a standard Japanese style character action game where you're set in like a semi open world. And there's not really a lot to it. You, you take the character who's like an android. Her name is Tubi and she is the person who battles in like this like black kind of goth sexy gear. You know, there's a lot of hullabaloo about her, uh, booty being shown like an upskirt shots and that kind of thing before the game released. I mean, she's a cool character. She's got a cool design. I like her. And she partners up with another Android named 9S and he's a pretty cool guy. So the two of them together, I mean, they're likable enough. That's not the problem. But the problem is that's like the script doesn't really go anywhere. It doesn't really provide very much of interest. It doesn't have a lot of hooks to it. And on the one hand, I, I hear a lot of people saying, well, just hang on, just hang on. It's going to it's going to go someplace when you get to the ending and replay, which is OK, but at the same time, it just doesn't make up for the fact that I've been really fucking bored for the last 15 hours. Like, it shouldn't take that long to get interesting. Um, basically, all you do is you run around in this open world. There's a main quest and a little marker shows up on your map. You go to the marker and you you know, usually kill something, have a couple minutes of a cutscene go on to the next marker, kill something, do the next cutscene. I mean, it's okay. There's some big bosses. They're kind of impressive because they're large, but the the sword play is very simple and very straightforward. Um, There's a lot of crafting, which I feel like doesn't really belong in a game like this. There's a lot of like dicking around with like collecting items and stuff, which I feel like again, doesn't really belong in a game like this. Um, the side There's tons of side quests, and I think they're really boring. I keep hearing people tell me to do them, but I've done some, and they're just really fucking boring. In the first Nier, one thing that was really interesting was that, uh, I don't know if this is true or not, but the guy who wrote the first Nier, his name is uh, Yoko Taro, the way that I hear it told is that he didn't want to do any side quests. He wanted just his main idea for the quest, the main quest, and just wanted to do that but the developer or i mean the publisher, excuse me. The publisher did not want him to do that. They're like, "No, you cannot do that. It's going to make the game too short. You need to add side quests because our fans are going to revolt if it's not enough content there." So he put in a bunch of really fucking stupid bullshit side quests, and he tells you at the beginning of Nier he's like, "These quests are garbage. Don't do them." Like he just straight up tells you. Like characters that are like, "Man, you're stupid for doing these side quests. Why do you keep doing these side quests? Don't do these side quests." Like they tell you over and over, and it's a really kind of a A neat commentary, and if you do skip them, you're not missing anything. And this, in in Automata, I'm kind of thinking it's the same approach, because every time I do a side quest, it's fucking dull. And it just, you go to some place, you find a thing for a person, you bring it back, and they give you like some stupid item, and that's it. It's like, there's nothing interesting happens, nothing significant happens, and people keep saying, just do them, do them, just do them. And I'm like, I'm not going to do them, because I haven't gotten any benefit from them yet, and it's just like, it's a waste of time. So I just, I'm frustrated, man. I'm really frustrated because I was really pinning a lot of hope on this game and I had so much respect for the first Nier, but basically it's a very simple, straightforward Japanese action game and there's nothing really to recommend it. It's not, it doesn't feel really great. I mean, it's okay. It's done by Platinum, so it's fine, but it's not like amazing. Graphics are not amazing. The story is not amazing. It's it's really dull. It's really fucking dull. And I mean, maybe something tremendous is going to happen when I beat the game tonight. But it's not going to erase the fact that I'm bored. I'm really, really bored right now. And I'm just kind of pushing forward because, you know, this is a game where the ending really matters. So that's fine. And I'm going to see it. But, dude, I'm just I'm struggling here, man. I'm just really struggling. I'm really, really disappointed.
0: You know, it's funny because everything that you just said about Near Automata is pretty much what I think about the first game. I don't know how that's possible, man. I know you don't like the first game, but it blows my mind. I mean,
1: we can get into that discussion if you want, but I found the first game to be so brilliant. It's just so interesting and fascinating.
0: I, it's weird that you didn't like it. I mean, what, I mean, I, do you want to talk about that or you don't? I mean, I don't really want to go in-depth with it. I just, I only played it for like three or four hours, and I just thought it was fucking boring. Like... It felt like, because it felt like a poor man's Zelda, and I've never been into Zelda in the first place. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I played it for a few hours, and I was like, wow, this is really boring. I'm not interested in this. And, like, I got to the part where you meet the woman who's voiced by Laura Bailey with the book, and she just, like, cusses all the time for no reason. And I was like, it it just seems like this game is trying way too hard to be, like, edgy by having her use bad words all the time. And that's fine, because I don't mind that in games. Like, when people, like, use, like profane language like there's a good like time and a place for it but i was like this just seems really like childish and out of place and i wasn't really enjoying any of the gameplay on top of it so i stopped like three hours in and that was pretty much it for me like i was not interested in that game at all beyond that and i never went back to try it again
1: yeah i mean i don't blame you because i you know i'm not one who says people should play a game if they don't like it i mean i definitely think that if you don't like it you should bail but What I really liked about the first Nier was that it had its core premise, but then over the course of playing the game, like there was all these other different surprises that came up. Like at one point it would be like, uh, like it it was originally like a third person, like you said, kind of a Zelda, 3D Zelda kind of game. It would like transition into being like a side-scrolling bullet hell game. It would transition into being a Diablo clone. It would transition into being a Resident Evil clone. It transitioned into being a text adventure. Like it did all these different things that were like so unexpected and so bizarre yet it all worked together to tell this really great story and then when you beat the game the first time like you got the opposite perspective of everything that you had done so like you went through the game the first time thinking you were the hero and when you played the second time it was like oh wait a minute was i actually the villain because you start to see how other people saw you and on top of that the woman that you described her name is Kaine, um she has a really uh, deep backstory that you don't really get much of until you get to the second playthrough and her story is like really heartbreaking and really touching um but I mean that I mean, like, like like even though the core gameplay of near the first near wasn't like amazing because it is kind of like a poor man's Zelda clone I think you're correct there but like all those other elements made it so, so interesting to play through like I was always um, surprised I was always unexpecting what was coming next when I'm playing Automata like none of that's there and and to be fair I don't think that Yokotaro could have done that exact same thing twice I mean I think anybody who had played the first near would have been hip to that and would not have been as surprised or as delighted if he had done the exact same thing again. So I don't blame him for that. Like, I, you can't go to the well too many times. But what he actually delivered, at least in this first leg of the playthrough, is just straight up, go here, kill these dudes with your sword, go there, kill those dudes with your sword, go this other place, kill those dudes with your sword. It's very, there's nothing there. Like, there's no interest to it. There's no interest to the characters, no interesting twists to the gameplay. I just, I'm just, I'm, I'm kind of stunned that there's just nothing to really sink my teeth into. And one of the things that I really liked about the demo was how it started off as a third person action and it kind of segued into like a side scrolling bullet hell, which is cool. But in the first near, there was, there was actually like a whole giant shift when he did that. He does that here in Automata, but for no real reason. Like it's just, it doesn't further any goals. It doesn't, twist genre expectations on their head. He just kind of does it like over and over and over because it's just breaking up the sword play. Like, it's not really like there's any commentary going on. And I just am like, I'm just, I'm bored. I'm so bored. And I just don't see any spark. Um, this was a game that I was like, I was ready to welcome with open arms. Like I was ready to put this on my, you know, best of the year list. I was like, I was so sure it was going to be up there. I had full confidence, you know, but I'm just, I just, I just don't even want to play it anymore. I just really don't. Like, I'm really, I'm really tired of it. But like I said, I mean, I, this is a game where I have to at least finish it at least one time. And I'm already getting people on Twitter when I was talking about this earlier, they're like, well, you're not even, you're not even halfway through the game. You got like three more playthroughs to do. And I'm like, okay, I get what you're saying, but like, if the first playthrough is so boring, I didn't even want to finish the first one. I doubt the story is going to be so good. It's going to make me play all that again. You know what I mean? Like... I just, I just don't see that happening, but we'll see. I I don't know, man. I'm just kind of heartbroken right now. I'm really kind of devastated. So I, I, I hope it gets better, but I don't think it will. But we'll see.
0: Well, I've uh, I've got one more question for yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I've heard some rumblings on Twitter that the game does some really interesting and innovative things with the UI for the game. Uh, is that true, or can you explain that?
1: Yeah, it's interesting because the UI that you have is what your character sees. She is an android. So she's a, you know, mechanical person. And whatever stuff you do to the UI actually affects, like, her as a person in the game. So, like, if you turn off certain features, like, those things will not be available to you. Like, if you turn off the UI that you can't see anymore, she can't see it either. So it's kind of a neat little thing. I mean, it doesn't have a huge impact on gameplay. It's just, like, a neat, like, oh, that was cool. I didn't expect that to happen. Um, Like, uh... There's one thing where um, at one point in the game, there's this item you get that if you get hurt, it will automatically refill your life if you have any life items available. So that's really super handy. If you get in the middle of a fight, you don't want to pause in the middle to use a life item. The game will just like do that for you once you hit a certain threshold. But if you turn off the UI for your life bar, like if you don't want to see the life bar on the screen, you take off the life bar, then your character no longer knows how much life she has. And then she is unable to use that item to refill her life. Because she never knows when she's low, right? So, like, instead of just you just not seeing it, it's like she doesn't see it either. So that's kind of a cool thing. Um, A really neat little twist. But it's not huge. I mean, it doesn't, uh, you know, I mean, it doesn't add a whole lot to the game. It's just kind of a neat little twist, you know. But anyway, if there's anything else that happens like that, I haven't seen
0: it. It's just kind of a a little, oh, cool. And then you kind of move on. So... I, uh, I'm definitely planning on playing this at some point. I'll put it on my Gamefly queue or I might end up buying it or something. I'm not sure yet, but I bet you that I am going to like this game and that I'm not going to like the first one and you and I are going to have like the complete opposite reactions for both of them.
1: I will bet that you will not like this game. I do not think I'm going to like it. I do not see Corey Motley liking this game. I would strongly recommend you renting it because just because, man, I just, I'm playing this and it's flat. Like I... If you bailed on the first near after three hours, I don't see you getting all the way through this. I, rent it. Just rent it
0: and let me know. I don't think you're going to like it. <laughs> well, I will definitely report back. I'm holding off on returning anything to Gamefly until I move because I don't even know what my address in New Orleans is going to be yet. So uh, I'm holding on tight to Yakuza 0, and I still have The Last Guardian right now, even though I haven't played it anymore. So as soon as I move and have an actual address, I'll probably send Last Guardian back. And I think... Probably near will be like the only thing on my GameCube, so hopefully I'll play it in the next like month or so, and then we can talk about it again once I get to it.
1: Yeah, report back. I'd be curious to get your take, but I would, I would bet, I would bet, um, I would bet some money that you're not gonna like it, dude. But we'll see, we'll see.
0: Well, speaking of games that people were looking forward to that ended up being completely disappointing, guess what game I want to talk about next?
1: Oh, I think I know. Why don't you tell us, Corey? Was that a good segue or not? That was a great segue, actually. I give you props for that one.
0: <laughs> That's because I want to talk about No Man's Sky. <laughs> uh No Man's Sky came out in it came out in August of last year. Can you believe it's already been 7 months Brad? It feels like a lot longer than that to me honestly. I mean it feels like it came out a lot, a lot longer ago. <laughs> yeah, I mean I was playing, I looked up uh like some Wikipedia stuff on it to make sure I had some of my like facts straight before I talked about it today and um and it was like oh released in August and I was like gosh, August that seems like like such a long time ago. I don't know, maybe it's because everybody was so excited about it and then it came out and people played it for two hours and stopped playing it completely, which is exactly what I did. Um, But it just seems like, it it felt like it just came out, but I'm like, God, August, like that seems like a long time ago.
1: Oh, that's so funny because I feel like it came out like five years ago. Like I'm just, I feel like (laughs) it was like so long ago and I've forgotten about it already and I've moved on and et cetera, et cetera. Huh. Interesting. Well,
0: yeah, so uh, the main reason I put it, I played it again the other night, uh, is because the second big update has had come to the game. So the game came out in August, and in and I was somebody who just so I can temper this discussion, um, I was not interested in No Man's Sky in any way, shape, or form. I thought it looked okay. I was not going to buy it. I was not going to play it. Um, I just wasn't that interested in what it what it was what was going on with it. Um, however, Patrick bought it because he was interested in it. And the night he bought it, he had it so that it would download at midnight and you could play it at midnight on August. I think it was like August 8th or 9th when it came out. Um, And he had to work the next day. So he was in bed and I was up and I was like, okay, well this brand new game is out that's supposed to be like one of the hottest, you know, most anticipated games of like the decade. So like, why not? I'll jump in, I'll see what it's about. I'll give it some time so I can talk about it. So I played it for literally about two hours the night it came out in August. And then I did not play it anymore. I thought it was boring. It wasn't the kind of game for me. Planetary, uh, planetary exploration and crafting. It was just not... I was not picking up anything that it was putting down. That's not to say it's a bad game, because I know it is the right game for some people, but I was just not interested in anything it was doing. But they released the second big update for it. The first update came in November. I did not try it in November whenever this update came out, but the first update in November added... A few new things. It added a couple uh, difficulty modes, or it added a couple new game modes. One of them was called survival difficulty, which basically is just like the regular story game, but it kind of like just makes it a little harder. Like, environmental conditions are tougher, enemies do more damage. Um, just that kind of stuff. So nothing like super significant. And it also added uh, what they called a creative mode because the big November update was for base building. And that was one thing that probably should have been in the game as soon as it launched. But base building lets you create a home planet and... Uh, it lets you like name whatever planet you're on, your home, and you can build a base on it. You can build like a little like house kind of thing, a little like research center, and you can build like corridors and stuff. Um, and then you can warp back to that home base at any point, like kind of like a fast travel whenever you're out in the galaxy. Um, so those were like two of the big things that it added: the the difficulty, the survival difficulty, the creative mode, and um, and the base building. And the creative mode, just so I can, because I guess I didn't talk about that exactly. The cool thing about creative mode is that it gives you unlimited crafting items to build your base. So it's kind of like a Minecraft mode where you kind of boot it up. You can play it as much as you want, build as many things as you want. You have unlimited health, unlimited resources, no building costs. Um, However, the drawback is that trophies do not unlock in creative mode. So it's just like pure imagination with no achievement in a a sense. Um, But the second update that came out uh, just a couple weeks ago, I think, uh, is called the Pathfinder update. And it added, the big thing it added was, um, uh, like vehicles and the game already had planes or like jets or spaceships or whatever, but this added like ground vehicles. So, and it also added a, a new game mode called permadeath, which is basically just like survival mode. But if you die, you die completely, I guess. Um, there's no, no coming back after that. So whenever I booted the game up, the cool thing uh, is that as soon as you boot it up, it opens uh, the menu that has all four game modes listed, and you can have four different unique save files for each game mode. So you can have a normal game mode, you can have a survival, you can have a permadeath, or you can have a creative. And as far as I can tell, those don't weave into each other, so it's like having four separate campaigns. So I thought that was kind of neat. So I opened up... Uh, the creative mode, because that sounded the most interesting to me. I hadn't done any of the base building stuff, so I wanted to kind of see what it was going on. And I turned it on, and the base building is basically like a copied and pasted UI from Fallout 4's settlement building mechanic just like laid into No Man's Sky. Like It feels exactly the same. You have a little menu at the bottom of the screen, use the d-pad and you can go through like corridor items or building items or like little decals or this or that and then you like press left and right to go through the different items and then they appear in front of you and kind of like this see-through like model and then you find a place to put it down and then you put it down and then you can connect things to it and you can eventually build your own like little base or your own um platforms and you can build little research stations that uh, you can put the little sentient robot people that are in the universe you can like have them command the little uh, terminals I'm not really sure what they do because I wasn't uh, I didn't play it long enough to find out but uh, needless to say I turned the game on and I played it for about a half an hour and then turned it right back off <laughs> not enough to get you in huh no, it's just not – I mean, I respect that people like this, and I do feel like that these updates are a little bit – it's kind of like a too little, too late scenario, but this game is just totally 100% not for me in any way, shape, or form. But the one cool thing that I will say about the, um, the, the vehicle update is that the third thing that – because the game tutorializes the base building a little bit, and, like, the third thing it asks you to build is – is a like a vehicle platform and the cool thing is when you build the vehicle platform the 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 little like car thing just kind of like appears right on the platform and you can go up and hold square and you can warp right into the vehicle the one cool thing is that the vehicle feels almost identical to the mako and mass effect one and i know that you and i are both huge mako fans we are on team mako it feels very similar to the Mako, so that was pretty cool, but I was a little disappointed because I, I was in the vehicle for about 30 seconds, and I accidentally drove it down into a cave, and then I could not get it out of the cave, and I was like, oh, damn it. <laughs> oh, no.
1: <laughs> so what happens? Is it stuck, or what, do you got to dig a tunnel to get it out, or, like, what do you do?
0: I got out of it, and I jetpacked my ass out of that cave, and I think you can just go back up to the platform and, like, summon another vehicle. I didn't play it long enough to find out because I wasn't that interested, but, uh, yeah, I just left it down there and had to jetpack out because I couldn't get out with the car. Interesting, interesting.
1: I actually have never played No Man's Sky. Uh, I was interested in it, but I just, I mean, you know, not like I'm the smartest guy in the world. Uh, But I had a feeling that the promises that were coming out of the Hello Games camp were getting way too big um, for them to be able to be true. You know, like every time they would say something, it just seemed like they were promising, you know, the world and the moon and the stars, almost literally in some instances. (laughs) And I just I just had a feeling I was like, man, there's no way there's no way that they can deliver what they're talking, what people are expecting. And I kind of held off and I'm glad that I did, because, you know, of course, as we all know. It was a giant flame out. I mean, there was a couple of people who liked what it was doing, but I think the vast majority of people were very disappointed in what actually was was uh, was delivered. And to be frank, um, there was a lot of stuff I mean I mean, not to be all weird or dark or anything, but I almost thought that the people at Hello Games were gonna like commit suicide or something right after that because shit started getting really dark out of their camp, their Twitter feeds started getting really weird, and I was like, Oh my god, like I hope these guys are okay. Like it sounds like really fucking bad times over there. But, you know, I got to give them credit. Despite all the hate that people were flinging their way, they, they buckled down and started working on updates, which I, to be, to be honest, I never thought were going to come. I never thought we were going to get any updates to, for that at all. So props to them that they have kept on working on it. And ironically, I actually bought a copy of No Man's Sky, but I haven't touched it yet because I'm like, you know what? This game might be good in a year. This game might be good in six months or whatever. Like, I had a feeling... Uh, With today's development climate where you launch something and then you fix it later and the best time to play a game is six months after it launches, no matter what game you're talking about, I'm like, you know, this thing might be something in a while. So I have a copy. I'm really happy to hear these updates have been coming along. I haven't jumped into it yet. I'm going to wait a little bit longer. When it seems like they're done, like when they're saying, okay, we're going to wrap up development. There's no more updates coming. We're finished with this. We're moving on or whatever. Or we're getting out of games. Fuck all you guys, Whatever. (laughs) When it's done, then I'll jump into it. So I have my copy at the ready, just waiting for my go signal. So we'll see how that goes.
0: Yeah, I'm actually interested to see um, where this game's going to go from here on out. Because whenever the game first came out, it was inevitable that you know everybody was saying okay well this game launched you know more as like a platform and less as a game you know obviously they're going to be building more stuff on it they're going to add more you know crafting options or whatever that was like kind of the general consistent consensus whenever it came out but i'm wondering if there's going to i mean i'm sure there will be a point but like when and if there will be a point where they just say okay we're going to stop working on this completely and move on to something else or maybe we're going to hire you know, a third party company to keep updating this or something, because No Man's Sky almost seems like kind of like Minecraft in the sense that it could just keep existing and they could keep building things for it for, you know, years and years and years. But I'm wondering if the audience is going to be there for it, because I I mean, I have no idea how many people are playing it day by day. But I mean, if they didn't put vehicles in until now and base building in until November, I just feel like is that enough to get people back in to play it? Cause I don't hear anybody talking about this game anymore.
1: Well, it's interesting. I didn't do any research on this before we did the episode because we don't do any research here at So Video Games. We just, <laughs> we just roll with it. Um, but apparently, I mean, it was, it sold really well. I mean, I know there was some hubbub about people getting refunds on Steam and all that nonsense, but as far as I recall, it sold really well. So I'm guessing there's a lot of people who have a copy if they haven't traded them into GameStop or whatever. So, I mean, it's possible, but man, the word of mouth was so bad. And there were so many people that were just... I mean, in fact, didn't, weren't they even going to be sued because they said uh, some people were, uh, were suing them for false advertising based on the trailers not looking like what was delivered and all the promises they made that didn't come true. I, I seem to recall that they were actually uh, potentially being sued for something like that. I mean, that's pretty that's pretty bad mojo when you release a game and someone wants to take it to court for not filling, uh, following through on your promises. So I think that I mean, I I think the core idea of what they have is probably pretty good, but they need to get out from under that like negative black cloud of all these terrible associations people have with their game. I mean, I don't think it's impossible, but you know, maybe them quietly doing these updates and maybe doing some kind of a soft relaunch at some point, like, hey, remember us. We're actually a really good game now. Come check. I mean, I don't know, who knows? Maybe they go PS plus uh for free one point, when all that stuff is ready to go, maybe that would get people back on board. I don't know. I don't know. I think they've I mean, I give them props for not abandoning it, but I wouldn't have blamed them if they had abandoned it either, because it was just, it seemed like a shitstorm of, like, you know, monumental proportions.
0: Yeah, when you say soft relaunch, the first thing that I thought of was uh, the game Destiny, because I remember almost the same thing happened with Destiny, where, like, you know, Bungie promised all of this stuff, and then at launch, and it was just like... Uh, Like a first-person shooter where you basically played the same like handful of like missions and dungeons over and over and over again And a lot of people really dug it and a lot of people thought that it was just repetitive and kind of boring and You know, they launched an update for it and then another update and all of these were like disc based updates and then they did the What was it rise of iron or whatever? Which was like a huge update that came at the end of last year and they even changed um the voice actor of the little, uh, android that follows you around. Um, it went from Peter Dinklage to Nolan North. So they redid all of his lines and they sort of like redid the game. Um, and, you know, had all this extra content after so many updates. And I feel like that was successful for destiny. So, you know, maybe no man's sky can kind of do the same thing.
1: Yeah, it's very possible. It's very possible. I mean, I don't think it I don't think it's, it's, it's impossible, but I mean, I I don't know where they're getting the resources to do this. I don't know if Sony's still backing them. I certainly don't think that they have the user base that Destiny has. I mean, regardless of how bad Destiny was, and it was bad at the beginning because I played it when it launched, um, you know, certain certain people are going to play a Bungie game no matter what. Like they have this, this established core user group, which Hello Games does not have. So I'm really curious to find out who is even still playing No Man's Sky. I mean, I'm sure somebody is. There's always somebody playing any game at any point in history uh you know even the worst game has fans right i mean it's true so i'm sure somebody's still playing it but i think i think they do have potential to turn it around destiny style uh they may have an uphill battle with that though so i'm I'm curious to see
0: yeah and i guess we will uh just have to wait and see how it unfolds in the future and hope that the game gets better but uh, I don't. I think that's pretty much all I have to say about No Man's Sky. Is there anything else you want to discuss about it, Brad?
1: Nope, nope. I'm just looking forward to uh, when it's all done because my son has actually been wanting to play that for a while. He's he's really big into the screw-around, uh, make-your-own-goals kind of games, like the old minecraft thing. He loves those games. I, I don't like them too much, but he likes them. And he has seen it on my shelf, and he keeps asking, when are we going to play that, when are we going to play that? And I keep putting him off because I don't want him to play something that's shitty. So I, I'm looking forward to the day when I can finally... <laughs> bust it out and, and watch. He'll be like, "Ah, oh, this sucks. And he'll go back to Minecraft. But anyway, we'll find out.
0: <laughs> we'll find out at some point. Cool. Cool. Um, well, that's pretty much all the video game, like specific topics that we had to talk about for this week. Um, like I said, I haven't really been playing a whole lot and Brad has been playing near and a top secret review game, but uh, we decided to take to Twitter and ask some people, questions, if they had any questions for us, and to talk about some specific topics. So we, uh, I guess we'll transition into those. Um, Brad, is there anything you want to add before we get started?
1: No, no. Just thanks to everybody who chipped in for questions and comments. Um, Always love having the feedback. This is kind of a a tangent, but I listened, I'm not going to name it, but I listened to one podcast that I really, really like a lot. And I send them comments and questions like all the time. Like okay, Not all the time, but all the time, (laughs) but not all the time, but all the time. And they never fucking read them. Like, they read the same few comments from the same few people, which is fine because, you know, you have your core readers. You want to keep those people happy. That's awesome. But it's like I send in these really good comments and questions. And I guess maybe they're not that good. Who knows? I mean, I could be I could be thinking they're good. Maybe they think they're not good. That's fine. But, like, it, it's really frustrating to send in these comments. And they never read them week after week. They never read them. And I'm like, man, what's up? Like, you guys never read my comments. So... Uh, I really try my best to include comments from people that listen to our show, because I know that sucks to like write comments and people never read them. So I want to read them. And I really appreciate that people take the time to send us messages, send us emails, send us comments on Twitter. Like, I love that. I love being interactive. I love that people listen to our show and I want them to know that we listen to them too. So I I think that's a great uh, two-way street to establish. And I want to establish that tonight. Thank you everybody uh, who has sent us something for tonight's show.
0: Amen to that. And Brad, you're probably just asking that podcast really stupid questions, and that's why they don't uh, discuss them. Probably, probably, which makes (laughs) me feel really sad because I think they're clever and I guess they're not. Uh. Okay, okay. Well, okay, so the first question or uh, topic I guess we have is uh, from Upsello on Twitter. And uh, the question is, how do you tackle your backlog? I dedicated this year to mine. Not sure if that's a great idea because of all the strong releases. So Brad, I know you have a backlog that if you stacked your physical backlog, it would probably reach from the Earth's surface to the moon. So how do you go about your backlog? I don't. <laughs> <laughs> My backlog is
1: fucking ridiculous. I mean, if I if I decided to stop buying new games like right now, I wouldn't run out of games to play for like probably four or five years. Like I could just keep going and keep going and keep going. Um, I have ridiculous backlog. Uh, I just I don't, man. I mean, it's like you know, being the editor, you have to keep up with what's hot and what's new. Um, you know, I have a certain amount of reviews I like to do for Game Critics, so I got to keep up with those. You know, when we hit the slow periods, like between big releases, I'll try to work something in. But I just don't. I just stack it all up, and I just you know keep a little list of what I have to play at some point and. I mean honestly I'm kind of like well I'm going to retire someday you know I'm going to stop working someday and when I retire when my kids move out of the house and it's just me and the wife I will probably tackle my backlog at that point Until then I don't tackle it I just I just stack it What about you man
0: <laughs> Well I actually probably don't have a good answer to this question cuz I don't really have that big of a backlog I mean I I play pretty much everything that I want to play and I mean, every once in a while there will be stuff like, if something goes on like PS Plus uh, and I download it for free and think, okay, I want to play that at some point, or if there's like a PS4 sale, because they have a lot of sales, I'll download some stuff and think, okay, I need to get back to that at some point, but um, usually it doesn't really happen. I mean, I do a pretty good job of getting around to playing everything I want, but uh, I did have, the other day, I opened my PS4 and went to my library and just kind of looked through all the games and... I noticed a game, it's called Emily Wants to Play, which is a really cheesy-looking first-person horror game, but I'm all about first-person horror. So, I bought it on a PS sale for, like, a couple dollars, like, a few months ago. And I had totally forgotten that I had bought it at all, which never happens to me. So, I looked at it, and I was like, oh, man, I totally forgot I even bought that. Like, I really need to sit down and play it someday. And, of course, I didn't, or I haven't yet. But, uh, I don't know, like, I i don't usually have that big of a backlog and usually if i do have a backlog it's physical releases of games that i haven't bought or haven't or I haven't bought yet so i will game fly them so like in between big releases or if i have a slow period i'll i'll keep some stuff on my um on my gamefly queue and then like when it gets delivered it gets delivered but i would say that probably 90 percent of the time if i want if i'm really looking forward to a game i'll probably end up playing it within like six to nine months of it of it coming out probably and if i don't play it uh And if I don't play it uh, by then, then I just don't. But usually I do. That's a really terrible long answer, but that's kind of my answer.
1: Well, that's kind of a good answer, too. And honestly, I mean, I kind of I kind of appreciate the frankness of what you're saying, because, you know, my backlog is so big. It's like, you know, you get sales or you get a two for one or whatever, just Steam or whatever, what have you. Uh, you know, some of these things are things where I'm like, oh, this seems like a good thing I should check out as a critic, like uh, from a critical perspective. So like, I'll probably get to the ones where I feel like they were somehow important or something. But there's a lot of games where I'm like, well, this looks okay. And I don't know why I even buy it, honestly. I mean, I should, I should probably just not even buy it and save the money because, <laughs> you know, like you just don't need to. And if I haven't gotten to it by now, am I really going to get to it? I mean, probably not. I mean, I, I literally have games that are still like from the PS2 that I haven't gotten to. So if I'm not gonna, if I haven't gotten to them throughout the entire lifespan of the ps3 i'm probably not going to get to them now <laughs> uh so i mean probably i mean honestly probably a lot of the stuff i have in my backlog is probably just going to get put in a box
0: and just never played but
1: i will i will get to some of it at some point at someday we'll see
0: i will say before we move on to the next question though that uh um i i tend to be a lot less forgiving with backlog games because the most recent like like if they're like really really big like critically acclaimed games that i just never got around to playing even if they have like you know like a 150 score on metacritic which isn't even possible but i'm gonna pretend like it is for sake of discussion if i play it for like A couple of hours and I'm not into it I will totally stop playing it like I did that with um, Shadow of the Colossus I did not play until it came out on the HD version for PS3 I played that game for like two hours and thought it was fucking boring so I stopped playing it and I did the same thing with uh, I bought the PS4 remaster of Grim Fandango or it was on PS Plus a long time ago so I downloaded it for free and you know one night when I was sitting in my apartment alone and I was bored I was like oh yeah I have this I could try it and, um, you know, I, I put it on and I played it for about an hour and I was like, this game is dumb. Like, <laughs> I'm just not, I'm not that into it. I don't really think it's that funny. I mean, it's kind of like a point and click adventure game and I'm not really into that style of game, but I know people like fucking love that game. But if it's like an old game, even if it's like critically acclaimed and I'm not into it in like an hour or two, man, I drop it like a hot potato and I did with the, both of those games. So I am, I'm not that forgiving when it comes to backlog games.
1: Well, dude, that's actually a good point because I think I'm
0: getting there. I think I originally at some point when I was younger
1: had some idea that I was going to play through all these at some point. But now that so many years have passed and I've just played so many games and time is at such a premium, I'm, I'm kind of getting like you where if I if I do get something out of my backlog, I will be like, all right, you got an hour. If you don't hook me in an hour, like it's over. Like, I don't care how long you've been sitting in the backlog. you would be sitting there for five years. If you don't <laughs> grab me in the first hour, like it's over. And... You know, honestly, a lot of times by the time I get around to something in the backlog, it's so dated or it's so like just so behind the times. Like, I, you know, the industry moves at a really fast pace and you just get so used to things. Like if I play a game where there's no auto saving and I die once, but God, fuck it. I don't want to do that anymore. Or the interface (laughs) is really poor or something like that. You know, like, I mean, for example, I mean, it's funny you say Grim Fandango because I loved that game when it came out. I played it when it was new. And I thought it was really fun and amazing. But I went back to it. And I'm like, oh, my God, I can't play this anymore. So I, <laughs> I I, hear you on that. And kind of the same thing with um, uh, Planescape Torment. That's a game that is like so acclaimed by everybody. Like everybody in the world says that is like one of the best games ever made. Greatest story. So important. You got to play it. Blah, blah, blah. And I believe it. Like I believe it. But I believe that that was true when it was new. Because I went back to try to play it. And the UI was so bad and the interface was so bad. Like, I just, I literally could not play it. And I'm not good enough with mods and stuff. I I couldn't get it to work, like, to make it smooth out and everything. It just was so old and so unpleasant to play. Like, I couldn't figure out how to use items and I didn't know what was going on. And I'm like, this sucks. (laughs) So despite the fact that everybody in the world is telling me it's, like, one of the best games, I just just couldn't do it. So I feel you. There comes a point we just need to let some of those go. And, you know, that's okay. Life goes on, you know.
0: Yeah, that's totally, um, not to super tangent this, but I do that with uh, the original Deus Ex because even though, as everybody on the planet knows, Deus Ex Human Revolution was one of my absolute favorite games of all time. I have never played all of the original Deus Ex. Oh my God, what? I know, I know. Because it was PC only. I know there's a PlayStation 2 version out there and I really need to track it down. But the last time I looked it up, you could only, it was on Amazon and it was like 40 or 50 bucks and I was not about to pay that much for a PlayStation 2 game. But uh, uh, there was, like, a point in college where, like, every six months or so... I Because I bought it on Steam or something. And I'm not a PC gamer in any way, shape, or form. I I would try to play it again. But, like, it is so hard to play now because it just feels archaic. And I'm not good at mouse and keyboard controls, like, at all. And so I always play the first, like, hour of it. And then I'm like, man, I just cannot play this game. And I wish that somebody would make, like, a really, like... Honest and adherent remake of it. Like, I kind of wish that IDIS Montreal would just not do another new Deus Ex and do, like, a full remake of the first game if it's even possible at this point in time. So that way I could, like, go back and experience what's so great about the original without having to play, you know, a fucking old-ass game that doesn't really control that well anymore. And I feel guilty about it, but I just can't do it. That is amazing because, you know what? I actually played... Deus Ex on the
1: PS2 and I'm sure that some people will be like well that's the worst way to play it I mean maybe true (laughs) but I'm not a PC gamer either and I did play it on PS2 and I thought that game was fucking amazing when I played it and it did feel archaic when I got to it but it still felt really amazing to go through I mean I I mean maybe that's just a lost cause right now and I definitely would like to see a remake but wow I'm so surprised that a Deus Ex fan like you has not played through that that's crazy
0: I know that's like on my wall of shame for the rest of my life that I cannot get into the first day of sex, even though I'm such a huge fan of human evolution.
1: Oh my God. At some point, at some point we'll just have to hire somebody and we'll just have to like get all the mods on it. We'll get the controller support on it. You, you're going to have to play <laughs> through that,
0: dude. You're going to have to, you'll have to. I know. I know. <clears> I need to just suck it up and buy the PS2 version. Cause I have a PS2 somewhere around my apartment in a box somewhere. I need to just buy the PS2 version, hook it up, hope that it still works. And kind of go at it from that angle because i have no doubt that if i played it on ps2 i'd be able to physically play it and do my best to enjoy it but i just cannot do the pc version
1: yeah i don't blame you and uh i mean it was a i I, you know i mean i got through it just fine but i'm sure if i went back to it now i would be appalled at how dated and and clunky it was but i played it through once and it was worth it i would definitely recommend it to man so i don't however however it takes but at some point We'll uh, we'll figure this out for you. This this is like a, a so video games uh, goal of the show or something. We'll make it happen. Like an intervention. Inter- intervention. Intervention. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, all right, we got we got really sidetracked on that one. Let's move on to the next question real quick. <clears throat> uh, I'll take this one here. All right. G- writer at Game Critics and friend of the show, Jim Bevan at Jim B eighty five asks. Will Breath of the Wild's success encourage Nintendo to take more risks with their franchises? Uh, I will just chime in really quickly before moving to you, Corey. I haven't played Breath of the Wild yet. Uh, It is on the way from Gamefly, so I cannot speak firsthand about how many risks it takes, although I have heard many stories. Do I personally think that the success will encourage Nintendo to take more risks? No, I do not. Uh, I think Nintendo is very uh, risk averse. We got through how many Zelda sequels before they took a real significant step forward, if this actually is that indeed. Uh, I think they're going to play it very, very safe, and I think this was kind of a one-off. So I do not think that the success of Breath of the Wild will make them take risks or change up their franchises to any great degree. Corey, what say you?
0: Uh, I really can't answer this question. I do not have a Switch. I have not played Zelda Breath of the Wild. Um the last Zelda I tried to play was Twilight Princess. I played a couple of hours of it and then stopped. Um, Zelda games are just not for me. I'm not interested in them. Um, I don't think I've ever finished a Zelda game. I never played any of the Nintendo 64 ones. I know that like Majora's Mask and Ocarina of Time are like people think they're the best game ever. I'm just not into Zelda. I'm not really a Nintendo fan in general. So I really don't have an answer for this. I mean, I I don't know. I It doesn't seem like... I mean, I guess Breath of the Wild is a pretty is taking a risk. I I don't know. It looks like another Zelda game to me, but I don't play them, so I don't really know. I mean, I feel like Metroid Prime is probably the biggest risk that Nintendo has ever taken with a franchise, and I mean that kind of worked because they went through three games, you know, on that risk taking. Uh, I guess. Venture of first person Metroid games, and then they took another big risk with Metroid Other M, which was the fucking worst Metroid game ever. So, uh, I don't know, I guess we'll just have to see. All right, sorry we didn't have a better answer for you, Jim, but there you go. Neither one of us have played the game yet, so it's
1: kind of tough to answer. Uh, Corey, what's the next question?
0: This one comes from Austin Parkin, who can be found at Brood Wars 64 on Twitter. He asks, Does the Switch deserve to be a success given its many technical defects, such as the screen scratching in the dock and the left Joy-Con issue desyncing, the dead pixels, and the crashing issues. What do you think, Brad? Uh, I think that the Switch is a success
1: because of Zelda. Uh, I know it's an interesting idea. I think that, uh, I mean, I'm still kind of excited for the hardware, but I do think they rushed it a little bit. I mean, I've been hearing about all these stories, like the things that Austin has brought up, and... It just seems like the the hardware isn't as solid and as reliable as we have usually come to expect from Nintendo. I mean, regardless of what you think of their games, I think they've got a pretty good proven track record of putting out hardware that's really solid. So it's a little disappointed to hear all this stuff. Does it deserve to be a success? I mean, I don't know. I mean, uh, I think that they're probably going to fix these things or put a slightly revamped version before too long because, you know, they're very protective of their uh, reputation. They're not going to put out some hardware that doesn't work uh as of as of the success of of it right now like i said i think it's purely purely due to zelda if zelda did not launch with this uh switch i don't think
0: we would really be talking about it or hearing about it nearly as much as we are cory um i think that it probably deserves its success because in my opinion there there's no such thing as a video game console that's going to launch without some problems i mean some might be bigger than others such as the Red Ring of Death on the Xbox 360, um, or, you know, the disc read errors on the PlayStation 2, if anybody remembers those. But, uh, I mean, it's, you know, video game consoles are kind of like presidential candidates. Like, there's never going to be a perfect one. You know, th- there are always there's always going to be a few little problems here and there. Um, but, I mean, I guess, uh, of course, it deserves a success. If a lot of people are playing it and everybody is saying, you know, everybody has overwhelmingly positive things to say about it, I mean, I guess... That seems pretty successful to me. Uh, then again, I don't have a Switch. I have no plans of buying one in the near future, so I don't know. But I mean, if a lot of people are saying good things, then it probably deserves it.
1: Right on, right on.
0: Uh, we had... Um, I will just move on to the next question. And we had a lot of people asking, um, just in general, if we had a Switch and what our takes on it were so far. But I, <laughs> I kind of feel like Brad, you and I have already answered that question a little bit so far. What do you think?
1: I think we have really covered that many times, many times. So we turned this around. <laughs> we turned this around and we said, instead of us answering this again, uh, you guys on Twitter, if you bought a Switch, if you did, what's your take on it so far? And we got a bunch of uh, comments. Let's go through these rapid fire uh, real quickly from, oh, shit, I don't know how to pronounce this name. Kaye? Kale? I'm sorry, man. Uh, if you, Write in and let us know how to pronounce your name because we're going to mangle some of these. K A L L E, Kaye, I'm going to go with Kaye McDonald, who is at Kaye MacD, says, surprisingly great. Love the hardware so far. Launch lineup is weak in quantity, but really strong
0: quality. And uh, good old David Roberts, friend of the show, David Robots on Twitter, uh, he says, loving it. Solid hardware. Zelda's great. Just needs more games.
1: Mike Susky, who is one of the staffers and game critics, says, love its versatility. And amazed by what it can do in handheld mode, not having hardware issues, and said this pre-release, and I can now confirm I could really see this becoming the new Vita, only successful. Ouch. Don't talk bad about my Vita. Motherfucker. God, I love the Vita. (laughs) Don't say bad things about the Vita. (laughs) Mike continues on. He says, plus just wrapped
0: up Zelda, and it's the best game I've played in a very, very long time. Speaking of the Vita, this is very slightly off topic. Brad, have you heard of the Vita game called Prince of Stride? No, I have not. Damn it. That went nowhere quick. Um, I only asked because one of the parkour guys that I photograph, uh, he did a Prince of Stride cosplay video project the other day that I helped him record and photograph for it. And, Prince of Stride is allegedly this uh, anime. Well, I, I shouldn't say allegedly because I actually watched some clips of it. It's a Japanese anime, and it's like a parkour anime where they do like relay races and stuff. And he told me that it actually originated as a Vita game before it became like a full-on anime. So I had wondered if you had played it, but I guess you haven't. So this discussion is over. <laughs> is it is it Japanese only? Is it an import? Because I've never heard of it, and I'm I'm pretty up on my Vita releases uh you know i don't know it might be japanese only um he hasn't played it he just told me that it was a game first and then a cartoon second i'll look into it but no i've never
1: heard of it i'm guessing it's probably an import top title which I, I don't import which probably explains why i haven't heard of it so oh well that would make sense oh well,
0: well uh next next up for uh the switch impressions is andrew um play critically on Twitter. Uh, he says, incredibly satisfied with the Switch, uh, having great time with Breath of the Wild, and looking forward to more 2017 releases. Teo
1: Stelnacker, who did not write in and tell me how to pronounce his last name. Apologies, Teo, uh, <laughs> Says, best handhold slash console hybrid since the Sega Nomad. And I think there's like a waka 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 in there, but he didn't add that in. He says, seriously, though, it's impressive, albeit underpowered. Horrid launch lineup, but Breath of the Wild is amazing.
0: I was wondering if there was like a tumbleweed that was supposed to go across after the Sega Nomad comment.
1: Yeah, something, something like that. He didn't put it in there, but I think some,
0: some kind of emoji was supposed to go there. So whatever. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll fill it in ourselves. Well, uh, Jeremy F. is up next at J Monster on Twitter. That's a pretty good username. Um, he says, no issues here. Trying to juggle Breath of the Wild and Near Automata may be my biggest problem. Looking forward to a monster hunter on it.
1: Right on, and Jeremy is one of my uh, old school Monster Hunter buddies. That guy is amazing at Monster Hunter. He is a stone cold motherfucker. He is so good at Monster <laughs> Hunter. He carried me and the wife through so many quests. Uh, him and one other guy that we played with uh, uh, were really good guys. So what up? What up? What up, Jeremy? Hello, hello. Um, so that's all the that's all the uh, the Switch stuff we had. But we asked one more question, Corey. What what was that question?
0: It was about. Mass Effect Andromeda, which is coming out in a week. Do you know what the release date is on it? I want to say it's the twentieth or the twenty-first. So, like, basically, uh, what is that?
1: Nineteen? Like a week and two days, or something like that? At the time of recording, I mean, basically a week, give or take.
0: Okay, okay. So we wanted to know uh, impressions if people who were interested, if they wanted it, or uh, what what they wanted, what they didn't want out of it.
1: Yeah, and before we get to the comments, I just want to say it's so weird. Like, you know, Mass Effect was such a huge series, such an important series. So many fans, so, so many fans. And it feels like we don't really know a lot about it. It, And even though it's been in development for so long, it kind of feels like it's coming out of nowhere. Do you feel like that, Corey?
0: I do, actually. And, you know, I actually kind of appreciate that, though. But I do think it's interesting whenever a company does a really strong um like marketing campaign right up like really close to launch because I haven't heard a whole lot about Mass Effect up until now but I swear to god I use the Twitter app on my phone and every time I scroll to the top on the Twitter app the second tweet in your timeline is usually a promoted tweet like 85% of the time it has been a Mass Effect Andromeda trailer which is fine because I get that they're like you know promoting it and everything but I always think it's bizarre whenever you like don't hear a lot up to the up to the release. And then like two weeks before there's like a huge marketing push and it's like always like the top promoted tweet or like always like the trailers on YouTube before YouTube videos. And it just like kind of sideswipes you out of nowhere.
1: That's weird. Yeah. I mean, I know there's been a lot, some trailers like really, really recently, like you said, but man, I just, I just feel like I don't know anything about it, which is so bizarre. I mean, so bizarre
0: anyway i'm kind of okay with that though because i would rather go into a game like mass effect knowing less than like having a bunch of shit spoiled and having like 50 trailers out there so i'm actually pretty okay with that
1: yeah that's a good
0: point but like for such a huge thing i mean i like surprises i don't want
1: to be spoiled but i just feel like i just don't even know what to expect which like when i think of of this game i just there's like this giant like gap in my brain where i just don't have any information <laughs> it's weird it's weird man it's weird anyway <laughs> let's get to the comments. Um, defunct games at defunct Games says i don't want it to be anything like mass effect one but i'm probably the only person oh man no love for mass effect one what sick burn oh man so what do you like mass effect one is that uh you like that one or you don't like that one Corey? uh
0: i i'm okay with it but i think it's my least favorite in the franchise only because i'm more into shooters than i am rpgs and mass effect one without a doubt is the most like RPG heavy and like inventory management heavy one out of all three. And I am like totally not down for all of that technical stuff going on in the game. So it's my least favorite. Uh, That is my
1: favorite. And I, I am definitely more on the RPG side than the shooter side. But the thing that I liked best about it was I just felt like it was the most complete story, like the most... You know like if you just play Mass Effect 1 like all the way through I mean I know it's still got technical problems and stuff but like just the the tale that it tells and the events that happen and the characters that you meet like the way that it all comes together I feel like it's just so amazing like the pacing is so good and the exciting moments are so exciting and just the action um, I mean I get it's got problems but just the things that happen I think are really perfect so that's still my favorite game of the tr- of the trilogy but um, or I guess the soon-to-be quadrilogy but uh, man Defunct
0: Games does <laughs> not care for it so we'll see anyway next comment uh, the next one is from Stephen Brown, who is capitalistpig21 on Twitter. It says, uh, "I don't want anything that equates to collect fifty fill in the blank here." So he is not a collectathon kind of person. I take it.
1: Oh god, agreed. I that is the last fucking thing. There's so many games that want you to collect shit these days, and just for no reason. I'm so sick. I'm so sick of it, dude. I'm so sick of it. Are you? Are you okay with collecting, or how do you feel?
0: I mean, I. I don't mind collecting if it's like tertiary to main game activities, but I don't like a game where, I think like ReCore did this, where it's like, oh, you you reached this level. Oh, wait, we're not going to let you in until you go back and do these dungeons and collect stuff. Um, like I'm not down for that, but a game like, like Mirror's Edge Catalyst, for example, that game took a big hit whenever it came out because a lot of people were saying that it had a lot of dumb collectibles and a lot of like tertiary stuff like that in the game but you could totally just not do any of that if you didn't want to and play the game as normal because it didn't take anything away from the game and i prefer it to be like that where you can just do it if you want to if you want a little extra time and flavor but not a game like recore where it just like bars you from going into certain sections it with unless you go back and like replay dungeons and stuff to collect extra things yeah i
1: agree i never want it to be um a barrier to progress that is like a cardinal sin in my book but We got to just get past this, man. I'm just so sick of collecting. It's like, it's like the most basic, the most boring, the most tedious. Like I, I'm trying to think of an instance where I really felt like collecting something was like really worthwhile use of my time. And I just, I can't think of it. So I'm, I'm with Steven. I hope that there's no collect 50 doodads, thingamajigs, whatever. So, uh, next comment comes from Neil Taylor, who is uh, a luminary from Game Burst across the pond. He is at Kid Dog. He says, hoping for, uh, new companions interesting and diverse worlds and npcs and a villain that has layers and he says feel free to add an onion joke i was going to look one up before the show but i forgot Corey, do you have an onion joke handy
0: oh god uh no unless he wants it to be a villain that's going to make him cry oh then... that was a really bad
1: joke but that does qualify as an onion joke good <laughs> job Corey. <laughs> uh, moving on his comment says an ending that doesn't boil down to red green or blue i want to feel like i made a difference by the end of the game and sorry for the long answer no apologies neil you're a great guy he always retweets everything we do from game critics he's a great guy and yeah i love his work on uh, game burst uh next comment
0: this one is from badger commander which is a hilarious uh Twitter handle. Um, Says uh, another sexual harassment simulator. To be more specific, that is not what I want. (laughs) He kind of phrased that kind of interestingly. I'm
1: like, I didn't realize people thought of it as a sexual harassment simulator, but I guess you could make a case for it.
0: Yeah, I think um, I might be wrong here, but I think what he might be getting at is the fact that Mass Effect kind of spawned the idea that, like, you play as a man and you just, like, keep putting game tokens into a woman until she has sex with you. I think maybe that's what he's getting out with this. Possibly. I definitely, I definitely get that. I think people definitely want
1: to get away from the whole, you badger somebody till they give it up or you give them presents till they give it up or whatever. I think, I think we're all kind of looking for a little bit more of a natural, more realistic sort of approach to that. So yeah, agreed. Agreed. Uh, next comment comes from my man who I just mentioned a second ago, uh, Jeremy F at J monster. He's looking for a good story. And a vehicle that controls better than the Mako. Ah, ah, Jeremy, Mako, you got to love it. Mako is the best. Respect the Mako. We love the Mako. I shouldn't have read that comment.
0: <laughs> the Mako is the best. Mako but they is the are, best. Ha, they, f- throughout the uh, development of Andromeda, they have been teasing. They have a new car thing. I can't remember what it's called, but it's basically like the Mako, but better, right?
1: As far as I know, as far as I know, I have seen pictures of that. And I hope that that is a thing because exploring the Mako was one of my favorite parts of
0: the first mass effect that was so sad to see it go uh agreed i thoroughly enjoy the mako it's like a, a turtle that just you can never get it to go upside down It just always it's like a cat i guess always landed right side up you <laughs> just boost that baby anywhere oh, i loved it it's the world's most awesome turtle cat <laughs> okay okay so the next uh, next comment is from marcus uh who is at ron perlman dds at twitter um says multiplayer that's at least as good as mass effect 3 i love BioWare games in the stories but i spent way more hours in multiplayer with friends than in the story
1: interesting did you do the multiplayer
0: i never ever touched the multiplayer in mass effect 3 uh,
1: you know i tried it a couple times but it didn't click with me right off the bat and i got really turned off by the structure of like unlocking stuff if this is I don't know if it was in Mass Effect 2 or 3. I mean, it must have been 3. But, like, it was, like, you had to buy card packs or something. And, like, I couldn't select the character I wanted right off the bat. Like, you had to, like, unlock them. And I'm like, ah, oh, this is bogus. I'm not going to buy any of these card packs. And I'm not going to play them all. I mean, I heard it was good. I mean, some people I know said it was really good. But I never got into it. So I don't have a feeling either way on it. Uh, let's see. Next comment comes from Austin Parkin at War 64 Coming in with a second comment. I want it to not be Mass Effect 3, as in promising the world and delivering nothing. I also want it to not look like a PS2 game. Huh. I really enjoyed Mass Effect 3, and I thought it delivered pretty much what it promised. So I'm not sure what he feels like it didn't deliver. And I don't think any of the games really look like a PS2 game. What do you say, Corey?
0: Yeah, I don't really understand the PS2 comment. I feel like the Mass Effect games are pretty beautiful. like. I loved um, in Mass Effect three fighting on the Turian homeworld. Whenever you can see the Reapers out in the distance on the on the horizon, and they look so big. And like the opening sequence of Mass Effect two, when you're on the the ship and it starts blowing up, that is one of my favorite sequence opening sequences ever in a video game. And I I never thought that the Mass Effect games looked outdated or like PS two games. So I'm I'm a little confused about that comment. Hmm. Okay. Okay. Well, next up is from might be Michael or Mikhail London. Uh, I want it to be the perfect space opera and less corridor shooter, which I agree with. Amen, amen. Next
1: uh, comment is from Joshua Carpenter at JScarp. Wants some good characters and hopefully they realize the exploration potential Mass Effect One had but didn't reach.
0: I'm down with that. That sounds like music to my ears. Agreed. I'm all about. Planetary exploration because they pretty much dropped that after the first game. But I would like to, have to come and
1: I'm next. sorry, who the fuck thought that scanning those fucking planets was like I after you did it two <laughs> or three times? I never wanted to fucking do it again. That was that was some bullshit.
0: Scanning planets is bullshit, but you got to launch you get to launch space dildos into a planet's surface oh, from god.
1: your ship. Oh god, what whatever. <laughs> like, I mean, yeah, a good for a laugh, like once. I never want to do that shit again. They better not bring that shit back. <laughs>
0: oh my god okay next up is the norman nerd at blc agnew uh i want the kind of bold commitment that gave us that ending of mass effect 3 which is a good ending i can't blame anyone who dislikes it totally valid reasoning there it just worked for me what's your take on that ending cory uh i thought it was okay i mean i didn't like hate it and throw a temper tantrum like everybody else who played the game but I also thought that the ending considering everything the series had been working toward I kind of felt like the ending came out of nowhere but uh I wasn't like offended by it
1: hmm. I thought the ending was i thought the ending was fine it really reminded me of um the way that sci-fi was handled in the 60s and 70s when you sometimes just didn't have all the answers and when sometimes a force kind of came from out of nowhere and kind of acted of its own accord. I mean, that kind of... It it got on with me, and I think they set it up fine. I kind of wish that they had given some of those uh, info bits that were from the DLCs in a different way. I mean, number one, uh, that one character, the Prothean character, I mean, he was like a DLC character, so I think he was pretty integral to the game. I don't think he should have been DLC, and I think a lot of the story that we got in the later DLCs, if they had been seeded within the main game a little bit better, I think maybe people would have been less upset about it, but... Overall, I thought it was fine. I, I did not get upset about it. I thought people really overreacted. Uh, and I think that overall, Mass Effect 3 was like one long love letter to the fans. I mean, it was like resolution upon resolution upon resolution upon resolution. And I, I mean, again, I if you don't like the, the ending, that's fine. But you can't say that they didn't deliver the goods. I mean, basically, every fucking storyline in the series got wrapped up in Mass Effect 3. So I don't know why people are so upset. So anyway uh next comment from bobby hunter at rshunter88 i do not want inquisition in space (laughs) and i fucking agree with that like whole that is my greatest fear honestly that it's going to be dragon age inquisition in space i'm so so scared that's what it's going to be i don't want it to be that i don't 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 Corey, uh
0: i'm not into dragon age at all so i can't really uh say anything here okay but next up in our last comment is from Drew Roland, who's at Drew Brew 82. That's a fun name. Hey, you it rhymes. I never noticed that. Oh, yeah. Uh, he says, excited to shoot slash get it on with some aliens. <laughs> Speaking of delivering the goods, which you just said a second ago.
1: Now, wait a minute. Does he mean shoot them and then get it on with them? Because that's kind of sick. Is that what he's saying? That's,
0: that sounds rude. That's I really rude. You don't not. shoot
1: somebody and then get it on with them afterwards.
0: Not unless you're a sadist.
1: Although, God, it's also kind of rude to get it on with them first and then shoot them afterward. That's just as bad.
0: Well, it depends on what they do between you getting it on with them and you shooting them. Well, that's true. Uh, that's true. Yeah, I suppose. these guys. Got... Well,
1: one way is okay. One way is sick. Drew, which way are you <laughs> leaning towards? Let us know. Ew. <laughs> All right, let's do a quick time check. It is now, I think we actually got a lot more mileage out of that than we were expecting, and I think we're kind of <laughs> yeah, we did. we're kind of past the time that we were shooting for. Do you want to go ahead and do the movies or should we hold off on that for the next episode?
0: Uh, I don't know. Do we want to do quick movie discussion or is this something that you like really want to dive in and talk?
1: about? No, I think we could probably do it quickie quick if you can do it quicky quick. What do you think?
0: Yeah, I can. I don't have a whole lot to say about my movies, so uh, we can dive in.
1: OK, so I guess this is the spoiler warning for our movie discussion. Um, it's just going to be me and Corey talking about Logan. Lucy and Headshot really quick. And we may spoil something. I don't think we're going to go probably too deep into it, but this is your spoiler warning. Feel free to bail now. If you don't want to be spoiled, Corey, what the fuck is Headshot? I don't even know what that movie is.
0: <laughs> Headshot. I'm, I'm not surprised. You don't know what it is, but Headshot is. So I know I've talked to you about a hundred million times about the movie, the raid and the raid Two. Correct? Yes. Um, Headshot is kind of like a spiritual sequel to those. It has, the, the lead character, whose name is Iko Uwais, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, correctly. he's an uh, Indonesian martial artist turned actor and fight choreographer. He, did, he was the lead character in both Raid movies. He was also one of the lead fight choreographers. And kind of something that was born out of the Raid 2 was what he calls the Uwais team. And it's like him... And his team of martial artists they basically do all the fight choreography for the movie and a lot of them play like extras in the movie like if you've seen the raid the raid 2 and then headshot a lot of the same actors appear in all of them because they're all part of the choreography but headshot is a movie that also stars eco oasis who is the lead in the raids it's not written or directed by the same guy that did the raids that's uh gareth evans he had no no part in this movie in headshot but um it is where it's kind of like a Bourne-esque movie where uh, uh, Eco Oasis character, um, he has two different names in the movie, but uh, I'm going to go with Abdi or Abdi because that's his real name. He, he gets shot. He's part of this like drug cartel kind of thing It leads you to believe that. And he gets shot, thrown overboard of a like off a dock or something, and then he washes up on shore. Uh, it's kind of like Jason Bourne. He's not really dead. He gets revived in the hospital um, that's close to Jakarta and he like falls in love with the nurse or the doctor that is uh that's like trying to heal him and doing like therapy with him and stuff. And then he he also has amnesia. He can't figure out what happened leading up to it. Uh basically it's just a martial arts action movie. However, it's a lot heavier on story and on like it's almost like a like a romantic drama like with martial arts in it whereas the raid movies are pretty much like like full-on martial arts crime dramas. Um and I think despite the fact that the same fight team did the choreography uh, for for this as for the raids, uh, Headshot is definitely the worst of the three, even though Headshot has, has nothing to do with the other movies technically, just the same actor and fight choreographers. Um, the, the fight choreography is all right. Um, the camera work is not nearly as good. The cinematography is not nearly as good. The, the core base of the storyline of uh, uh, Abdi's character falling in love with the doctor who who treats him is like totally silly and really shallow. It's one of those where like he wakes up in the hospital and has amnesia, but suddenly they're like in love and he'll sacrifice anything for her, even though like they don't have a past in any way, shape or form, but it's still pretty good. I mean, if you have high standards for martial arts films, like I do, then it's like pretty good. Not amazing. Uh, the raids are better. Um, I don't know. That's pretty much all I have to say, I guess. Where did you say this was from again? Uh, it's an Indonesian martial arts film. Does that answer your question? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, probably will not see this because
1: I still have to see the Raid and the Raid Two first. But uh, uh, I'll I'll mark it down. I mean,
0: if you're not in love with it, maybe I'm not gonna watch it. But you know, hey, now I know what it is. <laughs> it's about as good as the John Wick movies, and you know I'm not a fan of the John Wick movies, but it's like pretty equal to those as far as like choreography goes. But it's not nearly as good as the Raids. All right. Well, I'll probably skip it then. Whatever. Um, all right. I saw <laughs> I
1: saw Logan uh, yesterday and I'm not a fan of the X-Men movies. I think the first one was OK. And I think they kind of just went downhill from there. Uh, not the biggest fan of the Wolverine movies. I thought they were also kind of OK, but like not great. And I wasn't initially going to see this one, but I heard enough people saying it was just phenomenal that I, I it, it convinced me. And I wanted to go check it out. And it was phenomenal. It was fantastic. I thought it was an amazing film. Uh, As some people have said, it's not really a superhero film. It's just a really good movie where a guy happens to be a superhero in it, which I think is a pretty fair description. Uh, Basically, this is kind of like Logan at the end of his life. He's like Old Man Logan, if you're familiar with the comics or where he appears in various media as Old Man Logan. He's been around for a long time. Uh, at this point, they don't really discuss this in the movie, but by this point, if you follow the comics, he's probably like coming up on being 150 or 200 years old or something like that because his, uh, healing power lets him live for an extra long time. So he's just, he's tired of the world. He's tired of life. He's tired of losing people. And a lot of the movie is just about his character. Like it's just showing him being beat up and being sick and tired of, of how people are and tired of being the guy who lives when everybody else is dead. And he just, he's just not having it anymore. He's just not finding joy in life. And he comes across a girl who was. I mean, I get. Look, so we put up our spoiler warning. So, Tori, did you want me to spoil this for you? You want me to keep going? Are you okay with this?
0: Uh, you can be slightly <clears throat> spoilery, but don't. I'm planning on seeing this still, so don't okay, spoil okay. it. Okay,
1: like, okay. So, well. anyway, I'll just I'll, I'll dial it back. Long story okay. short, he meets a girl, a little young girl, and and he decides to uh, become her protector. I won't go into too much detail. Uh, but he finds you know, as you, as you would expect, uh, of, of their similar movies, he finds some joy in what she's doing. And he, you know, he, he has a relationship with her. It doesn't go the way you think it's going to go. It's not exactly about him, like regaining his, his love of life, but I really appreciated how much time they spent on his character, how much time they spent on the world. I think the world is a really, really cool vision of what our world will be like in 20 or 40 or 50 years it's, it's, it's recognizable and it seems very much the same as what we have, but there's just enough going on to where you feel like, man, this is kind of futuristic. This is kind of not right now. Um, but it's not, it's not really sci-fi, but just enough to make it feel different. They do a great job in world building. They do a great job of spending time with Logan and it's really just about his character. It's about him and it's about what it must be like. You know, I think that's where the other X-Men movies have really gone wrong. They just, they're so busy on, uh, every Everything is the end of the world. Everything is about introducing more teammates. And everything is about the special effects when really you don't need that. I think superheroes are really fascinating when you look at the human side of them and think even if you were a superhero, you're still a person. Like your your problems are not solved just because you can fly or because you have claws. You're still a person underneath that and you still have feelings. You still have life to deal with. And I think this is the first movie... Uh, in the X-Men franchise and probably one of the first superhero movies overall that really digs into that in a really great way. So um, I'm not a big X-Men fan um, of the movies. I'm not a big Wolverine uh, movie fan, but this was fantastic. I would recommend this to anybody who is not averse to violence because it's bloody as fuck. It's super bloody. Dudes get killed all, like all kinds of dudes get killed in this. So like don't go to see this if you're squeamish. But I felt it was a wonderful superhero film. That's not really a superhero film. Total thumbs up, total recommendation. I loved every minute of it. Good stuff.
0: I have heard through the grapevine that, uh, Jean-Luc Picard, uh, says the word fuck a lot in the movie. Is that true?
1: He does. He does a fantastic job, but that's no surprise. He always does a fantastic job. He's great in this movie. He's really, really great. And I think that, um, people who have, well, I, mean, I don't know to spell too much, but if you are dealing with a parent who's older You're going to be really touched by what what happens in this movie. Like it's there's a lot of real life stuff that you can connect with. This is not just spandex and superheroes and jumping and explosions. There's a lot of humanity in this. And I thought that was really well done. Uh, Yeah, he's great in this film.
0: Fantastic. I had heard that some people said that the fact that um, Professor X, because he like, Cusses a lot that people thought that it kind of brought them out of the movie and it didn't seem like it was characterized well for him. What do you think about that? Oh
1: no, I thought it was perfect. If they thought that was out of character, <laughs> they were not
0: paying attention.
1: They must not have been paying attention because it's perfectly in character. It makes perfect sense and I found it to be very
0: um poignant. It was very well done. Cool, cool. I definitely want to see that soon. I'll probably wait until I get to New Orleans. So Patrick and I can go see it together. Um, Don't miss it. But I will. Don't miss it. Yeah, I definitely want to see it soon. And your last film, Lucy. Do tell. Uh, Lucy. So as you know, and as I've talked about about a thousand times in the show, I've been like marathoning uh, Ghost in the Shell anime to work up to the live action movie, which comes out in like two weeks. Um, I've seen the anime twice 95 anime twice i've seen standalone complex both seasons i finished uh, all four episodes of arise which is the prequel um uh kind of like mini series and i watched ghost in the shell the new movie which is the worst title ever which is a, a prequel movie that came out in 2014 or 15 that kind of bridges arise up to the original anime uh, i have not seen the second movie but this is a little bit beside the point but as part of my Conditioning myself to go see the live-action *Ghost in the Shell*, I have been trying to binge some Scarlett Johansson movies as well because I like Scarlett Johansson, um, but I haven't really seen a whole lot of her movies. So I decided to rent *Lucy* on Amazon Video the other night and watch it. And if you don't know, *Lucy* came out like a couple years ago, and it was billed as sort of like like a femme fatale, like Scarlett Johansson action movie where she plays pretty much like like a like a badass bitch. And the the plot of the movie is she gets roped, she's just a regular woman and she gets roped into this like really shady drug deal. And, um, the people that have these like crazy drugs, they cut open her stomach and they put them in, they like put a pouch of drugs into her stomach into, and into like three other people. And they send them out to like different areas of the world, I guess, where they're supposed to like get extracted by somebody else as part of a drug deal or something like that. Um, and what happens is scarlett johansson ends up getting in like a fight with some people that take her captive and somebody kicks her in the stomach and it releases the drugs into her system and the drug like basically turns her into like a superhuman it gives her it kind of uh, a lot of the plot is pulled from the movie limitless which is the bradley cooper movie where he like takes the pill to unlock 100 percent of his brain's potential because in this movie, in Lucy, she does the same thing. Like, the drug slowly unlocks more of her brain's potential as, um, like, as it kind of goes through her system. So at first, she just has, like, heightened reflexes. And then she can start, like, seeing, like, digital signals in the world. And then she can, like, time travel a little bit later in the movie. And, I like, going in, I thought the movie was going to be pretty silly. And it's directed by uh, Luc Besson, by the way, uh, the French director who did uh, the professional... And has done, he's done a bunch of, uh, like, action movies. Sure, sure. Um, and, uh, like, going in, I wasn't really expecting a whole lot. All, all I wanted out of it was just, like, a movie where Scarlett Johansson kicks ass. Because that's basically, like, what it was billed as. And, like, it has, like, it has a pretty high score on Rotten Tomatoes. I think it's, like, a, between, like, a 60 and a 70 or something like that. Which is, like, pretty good for a silly action movie. And it made, like, a shitload of money overseas. Um which I'm sure played into the fact that she got cast as the major and Ghost in the Shell, even though it's like a a whitewashing of the role, which, you know, we can't ignore. But, I mean, I'm sure Ghost in the Shell is going to make like a bajillion dollars overseas because it seems like Asian markets don't seem to care when roles get whitewashed. But all of that beside the point, um, this movie was just not that great. It, like, didn't even have that much action in it. Like, she literally hand-to-hand fights one person in the entire movie and the fight lasts about three seconds long. And in the rest of the movie, she, she's definitely, like, being, like, a like a cool, like, calm, collected, like, lady who's, like, really in control and, you know, commanding and everything through the whole movie. Because she's in, like, full control for most of it. And I, like, respect that about her character. But I was expecting this to be, like, an action movie where she, like, fights people a lot and is, like, shooting people and, like, kicking down doors and, like, all this, like, bad shit. But she literally like fights one dude and then she just kind of like commands everybody for the rest. And it's like people are fighting around her and like the the drug cartels that are trying to like get to her, like they're all kind of fighting amongst each other. But like she doesn't even really do a whole lot in the movie. And all I wanted out of this movie was to just see her like kick a bunch of ass. And like she doesn't even do that, like really at all. She does it for like a couple of minutes out of the entire movie. And it was just kind of disappointing. I mean, the movie I don't think is bad in and of itself but i just i feel like what the movie was trying to sell through marketing wasn't exactly what i got out of it like i i just thought it was just okay it it didn't have nearly enough like like chick fighting dudes action to really like keep me satisfied i guess (laughs) i love that genre. i love the chick fighting dudes genre that's my favorite genre (laughs) Well, speaking of that, have you seen the trailer for Atomic Blonde, the uh, Charlize Theron movie that's coming out? I,
1: I, saw, I saw it. I did not get a chance to watch it. I heard it's a thing. I'm going to check
0: it out. I I mean, it seems like something that would be up my alley, but I have not seen the trailer yet. Did you like it? Oh, my God. The trailer is fucking amazing. The first trailer for it is a Red Band trailer, which means that it's totally unedited. Um because usually trailers are green band trailers, which means they're like safe for the public. But that like the the Atomic Blonde trailer opens with like a long one take fight sequence of Charlie's Theron, like kicking dude ass. And it is so amazing. <laughs> like, like that trailer is better than like both John Wick movies put together. I I'm so excited for this movie. Well, then I'm going to watch the trailer. I'm going to cross both of those movies off my
1: list. <laughs> Done deal. Done deal. Think of the time I saved. Amazing. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it, it looks really good. Like maybe, uh, atomic blonde will give me everything that Lucy and the John Wick movies did not give me.
1: Well, I, I guess I will cross that off my list as well. So I guess I'm glad we had this talk, both the movies you recommended. I will not see good deal. Good deal. <laughs> and look at this. We figured we were going to have a super short show and look, we've gone on and on and on. It's true. It's true. It just happens. I guess I, you get to, you get to chat and things happen
0: it's true it's true um well uh i don't i don't have anything else really important to say if you don't um i need to make a sandwich man so let's wrap it on home and i can <laughs> i can get out of here and get to the kitchen awesome um well uh spoiler warning is over not that anybody is still listening who was dodging the spoiler warning but uh that's gonna do it for us for this week um And this is my last time ever recording in Omaha, Nebraska. Our uh, editing HQ will move from Omaha to New Orleans the next time we record, so that's kind of exciting. But um, before we go, as always, we want to remind everybody that you can send us your comments, your thoughts, your feedback, your ideas, um, anything else you want, technical information, uh, feedback, topics that you want us to discuss, anything like that. Uh, Our email address is sovideogamespodcast at gmail.com. We are also on Twitter as a collective. Our Twitter handle is at So Video Games. And believe it or not, Brad and I are also on Twitter individually. Brad, do you want to give out your Twitter handle now? Sure. You can reach me at Brad Galloway, all A's, no O's. And I can be reached at Corey Motley, that is C O R E Y M O T L E Y. And uh, I think that's going to do it for this show. It's a little uh, longer than usual and a little less video game talk than usual, I guess. But, um, hey, it is what it is. So um, we will see you guys next week. And as we sign off, this is uh, bye from Corey.
1: And bye from Brad.
0: We'll see you next time.